What's going on? It is I, the guy from the eighth planet, Bobby Neptune. And this is another episode of I Don't Know Yet. So I'm going to dive right in with my weekly clubhouse update. And this is one of the last weekly clubhouse updates. I know it's so sad. Weekly clubhouse updates go bye-bye. But, um, you know, it's expanding more and everybody's going to be on clubhouse sooner than later. So, you know, this shit will be obsolete. Um, so today I just want to talk about a question that I heard. Will clubhouse kill podcasting? In the opinion of Bobby Neptune, hell the fuck No. Uh, Clubhouse is a social media app, you know, as popular as it is right now and as innovative as it seems, you know, it's still a social media app like Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, anything you want to, you know, any social media app. So um, that being one of the major differences, podcasting is a art form. Podcasting is something that people sit down and they curate. Um, They study, they have show notes, they have regular notes, they're diving into research depths, they're going outside, talking to people, they're getting guests. And, um, you know, it's 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 totally different than just waking up in the middle of the night and, you know, hopping on some shit, going into a room and sharing your opinions or your expertise or asking questions about things you want to know. podcasters like we're the weird ones podcast or the taboos podcast or the effing nerds podcast like these podcasters take time in doing what they do um which is why they have the followings that they have uh also when you are recording just like me being an mc as well uh you know my i record and you know my my mic and my shit my computer that's like my dojo my area you know what i'm saying it's like my fortress of solitude and it, it's different than just clicking on an app and talking so i know when you know when when we're creating when we're doing what we do um you know sitting in the areas that we sit in or stand in or whatever uh, you know, we're taking this with a whole nother level. It's like, this is our Excalibur. You know what I'm saying? This is the sword and the stone nobody else could pull, but we have. And it's not something that's just going to be knocked out by another form of social media. Sorry. I don't think that that's, you know, I'd love for, to hear some opinions on that. Any one of my fellow podcasters or anybody in general, um, do you think that uh, Clubhouse is going to kill podcasting? And with that... That is that on the weekly Clubhouse update. You see that? Short and still to the point. Now, uh, I want to talk a little bit about financial stability and emotional stability. I've been hearing these words tossed around in some conversations, and uh, I just want to talk about it from the Bobby Neptune perspective. So uh, for me, I think financial stability is um, being able to just do what you want. You know what I mean? Like, so... Me personally, I I don't like the I despise the nine to five shit. I don't like being told what to do um, by somebody in that manner, especially knowing what I know. You know what I'm saying? And I'm not going to be part of that narrative. So I choose to create and, uh, you know, quote unquote, go against the grain, I guess. And uh, it it allows me to be free in the way that I want to be free. So that is, to me, financial stability. I believe that anything else that's acquired through that, you know, is just a bonus. Now, there's other people out there who believe that financial stability is actually numbers. So it's when you earn six figures, you are financially stable because you can buy and afford things that are, you know, I hate even talking like this, but things that are, you know, that the average 
man or woman couldn't afford. So, you know, you could buy a jet, you know what I'm saying? And you could, you know, go on vacations all the time. Not saying you don't have to work, but just saying like every transaction you make is like 10 million in comparison to working eight hours and, you know, making $300 a day or some shit like that. You know what I mean? So, um, but that's, that's also, you know, how a person views it. You know, if you want that wealth and that's financial stability for you, then that's what it is. If you're cool being, having a few hundred thousand and just not having to work, being able to go where you want to go and do what you want to do, but you don't have to get a Maybach, that's cool too. And also if you want to wake up and you want to go bust a nine to five grind and create a, uh, system to where your the, the, your kids are good or to where your you know your husband or your wife doesn't have to work or whatever you know what i'm saying like that's dope too you know what i mean so i think that financial stability is all about perception and also you know when when the conversations are being had there usually is a, a underlying point to them especially from the conversations i've been hearing it's not usually like the words financial stability are written on the chalkboard and you just walk into class and sit down and the teacher's like, okay, what do you feel? It's usually, there's usually something behind it. So, you know, it's understood where those, where that's coming from. But I just want, you know, I want people to take the time out to be, you know, to to step outside the box and just look at the whole thing and say like, yo, um, does it really matter? Does the amount of money really matter? Or is this person just free in the way that they live? And I think that that attaches to emotional stability because um, in order to to feel like financial stability does not equate money, then I think that you have to have done some type of shadow work. You have to have, you know, done some type of thing where you're comfortable in yourself. So you don't feel like you need that. You know what I'm saying? Because there's some, you know, there's some people out there who feel like in order to be a success, they have to um, reach a certain financial bracket. And when they do reach that point, they still have a lot of emotional work to do, you know? Um, and I think it's fucked up when that happens because then you're kind of confused because then you don't really understand why the money that you have isn't making you happy and the things that you buy. And, and it's, and it gets kind of hard to let go of it for you to free yourself and be like, all right, I still got this shit, but I got to handle some other things. So I think that, um, Emotional stability and financial stability go hand in hand. And when we speak about them, we definitely need to speak about both because there's a superficial level to financial stability all day. Like we know that, you know, some people want to have the trophy, you know, um, significant other and they want to have the trophy house and they want to have the trophy dog and the trophy kids or maybe no kids. Who knows? But they want the situation to be trophy, whatever the fuck that means. You know what I mean? But um, we know that there is a superficial standard. And when you say uh, uh, financial stability or another another one of them is high value, you know what I'm saying? Like, what would you uh, consider a high value person? Does high value mean that the money that they make makes them high value or is it their actual values that make them high value or the way they live? So, you know, all these things are are very, very interesting to dive into because it's, it's almost like um, I'll use Clubhouse for an example. You know, uh, I was listening to a conversation about um, what was what the fuck were they talking about? It was it was some science shit. So uh, it wasn't even science. It was oh, it was do we live in a simulation or 
um, is everything real? You know, I've spoken about this Boltzmann brain, all that different stuff. But uh, every, a lot of the people in there were actual like science people, like they had science backgrounds. So every time they answered the question, it was strictly like from a quantum physics point of view. You know what I'm saying? From a biochemist point of view. From you know what I'm saying? Like there was there was so many different scientific points of view in there and there were and I mean like not social sciences or philosophical it was just straight up like you know um you know like astrophysics that type those type of people were in there and uh when it came to uh people who were on the philosophical side and stuff like that the language was the same like the words were the same but the meanings were different like one girl had said that no two snowflakes are alike and then she was like, but that's not true because in science, we've we've studied that there are two snowflakes that are alike. And then on the philosophical side, it's like you could have two snowflakes that are alike, but they're not really alike. Or are they really? So, you know what I mean? There's there's a, so many different ways to look at things. And that's why conversation is so beautiful, because you could have a hallway of 10 of the same conversations, but they could all be, I mean, 10 of the same subject headings, but they could all be different conversations, you know? So I think that we need to take that into account when we talk about financial stability and emotional stability, along with um, high value. And we have to understand what we define it as first before we can apply it to a debate or apply it to a question that's being asked. So, you know, I am Bobby Neptune and that's what I have to say about that. Now, I want to talk about, you know, flipping it on another note. I've been playing The Witcher 3 and I know I'm late as hell on that shit um, for Xbox. And I'm an RPG dude since Final Fantasy 7 on the first PlayStation. You know what I'm saying? That was like my first real introduction to RPGs. So shout out to my cousin Ish for putting me onto that shit. Um, but The Witcher 3 is like, bro, like that shit is some next level shit. Like it's complete open world. You know what I mean? They got the, the fist fighting competition and you could like, I've been playing that game, right? And I, I haven't even... I haven't even really done any of the main story and I've been playing that shit for like maybe a week now and I haven't done none of the main story at all. And all I've been doing is like Witcher contracts and like secondary quests. I I got the um I got the uh, game of the year edition so it comes with all the DLCs and the uh and you know all of the other the other parts and shit like that. So, you know, and I I haven't even gotten into those because you got to be at a certain level. I'm still in the teens, but I haven't even moved on. You know what I'm saying? That game is so dope. And it kind of got me thinking about video games through the years. I got a little emotional about this when I was just sitting up there. And I'm just thinking about like when I used to play Nintendo and like you used to walk to the edge of the screen, the TV screen, and you couldn't go any further until the game permitted you to go further. Now there's certain games that are kind of like that now, but it's like you kind of got to set the damn camera for them shits to be like that. Or it's games that are made like that to bring the nostalgia back of how they used to be. But just thinking about that, thinking about how like, um, like the player, like the characters on the screen couldn't even like turn around. Like, you know what I'm saying? Like you couldn't, you couldn't turn around. You know what I'm saying? Like it was, it wasn't the, the turnaround wasn't the same because it was 2d turnaround. So it was completely different. But um thinking about how much fun the shit still was in the same level of like vigor and intensity and excitement that I had um for those games and still have today and it's like the vastness and the di- and how different they are I'm I'm saying as far as like 
you know, the technology and shit like that. But that that gut feeling of like being a kid and just sitting in the room and just going in, playing a game with a big ass bowl of cereal or some fucking ho-hos or some shit. Same thing translates till now. And that that is it's timeless. You know what I'm saying? Like that. It's 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 crazy dope. And I just want to shout out video games. You know, I just want to take because on another note as well, like. You know, I I I'm gonna I got anxiety. I'm sure a lot of people can relate. And you know what I'm saying? Sometimes it gets shit gets so intense that even the things that they tell you to do for it, you know, even if you're being medicated for it, sometimes that shit feels like it doesn't work. You know what I'm saying? So reverting back to things you used to do like playing video games or or, or or listening to a song that you used to listen to or whatever you know what i'm saying um and for me video games is one of the things and it's like it's always allowed me to um just kind of get into that fully get into that shit immerse myself into it and forget about the shit that's going on and then when i decide like you know it's time to turn it off I'm like charged in a different way to where I'm not as anxious and I'm not and like I'm able to calm because, you know, you got to make split decisions in some games and shit like that. And your hand eye coordination got to be on point. Like you don't play a game to lose. Right. You don't play a game to just get by and just scrape by and just no, you play that shit to get nice, to be nice, to take people out the right way. You play, uh, you know, what I'm saying you play sports games to do ill ass plays and try to outsmart the game. You know what I'm saying? So once you do that. And then you come away from it, you're like charged a little bit. So I just want to shout out video games. I love you. And, you know, I, you know, I, I'm probably going to play The Witcher after I'm done with this. So, yeah. Um, now, I saw some real disturbing shit. I didn't want to believe it when I read the heading of it. Takashi 69 and Meek Mill. Now, first of all, I thought the beard that nigga had was fake. I thought it was like for a video or something. But I saw that he it, not, I'm not even going to get into that. But the video itself, it's it's disgusting. It's like one, we're in the era of like we. If there's enough shit going on, I know, and I, the thing is, I know like I'm preaching to the choir, right? Like all we talk about is how things should be peaceful. I mean, we talk about how we want peace so much that you would think that it's here or it should be around the corner or peace should be knocking on somebody's door. Like, yo, listen, olive branches for everyone. But now. It's still the same shit. And we have Meek Mill and Takashi 69 in some parking garage yelling at each other. Well, Takashi 69 was yelling, calling them all types of obscenities and vulgar names that somebody like me shouldn't even have to hear because I'm just a child. You know what I'm saying? Like that was too rated R for me. And it doesn't make sense. You know, it doesn't even make sense. And I know there's some people on the other side that's like, yo, you know, Meek Mill, you talk a certain way. Yes, he does. And, you know, I'm, I am upset about him only giving $20 to them dudes. They should have whooped his ass, them little kids. You know what I'm saying? But, um, you know, uh, there's some people that are like, yo, y'all should have just got it cracking. Like Ice Cube did with his people. You know what I'm saying? You're even, no matter who you had with you, your whole crew should have just got it in. Both crews should have just, you know, been beefing. Um, you know, if you can avoid some, some major shit like that, I would avoid it. You know what I'm saying? Like, and I don't mean in a bitch way. I just mean in a way that you have control over the situation. You know what I'm saying? When you have control over the situation, then it's not like a, I didn't run from this. Like I, I could have done this or I could have done this or I could have done this and I chose to do this. And when I did this, nothing happened. When I turned my back and I walked away, nothing still happened. This little nigga was just standing there screaming as he was. You know what I'm saying? So, I mean, you can say what you want. 
You know what I'm saying about both sides. It could be what, you know, but it just is disturbing to watch um, that still be the type of shit that's perpetuated. We, we, we just lost, we just lost niggas over these past three months um, in the music business. Despite the, uh, the, you know what I mean, the, 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 the African-American males that have been out here getting slayed left and right by each other and by the police. You know what I'm saying? And now um, here we go again with more more dudes like Takashi out here perpetuating the shit. So I just think that shit was real stupid and niggas need to take that shit in account. Don't listen to these niggas on Clubhouse who are, you know, talking about academic. Like if you if you're going to listen to people and get in your feelings then don't listen to it because you do the same stuff like you say things that make people want to say stuff to you or whatever. You know what I mean? Especially when we're in a, a forum like this. You know what I'm saying? Where like and somebody could easily come on and be like, man, fuck that. I don't know yet shit. That nigga don't he be talking stupid all the time. And I'm sure people, somebody probably is thinking that. You know what I'm saying? But that's not I can't I can't worry about that. You know what I'm saying? Like I can't worry. I can't slow my roll for that shit. You know what I'm saying? The same way everybody else should be. But I know that that's kind of hard. So if you can, try not to get caught up in the bullshit. You know, just don't pay attention to what people say. And as far as this uh, Takashi Meek Mill, it's just a comedy and a tragedy. You know, that's the game, publicity, whatever. Let's not perpetuate the violence, though, at the end of the day. Um, and it's all a joke anyway. So, you know, it is what it is on that. Now, I'm going to get back to this UFO shit because, like I said, I'm going to make sure that I take care of my projects, unlike the government does theirs. So, Institute 22 out of the Soviet Union, which was established in 1978 by the Academy of Sciences and the Ministry of Defense. It can be compared to Project Blue Book of the U.S., and it was active for 13 years until the fall of the Soviet Union. Now, it is said that Institute 22, which actually is a real dope name, it sounds like it should be a fucking TV show or something. There's probably been shows based on it, but I mean, they could just keep it the, the same name and I think it would still be fire. Um, but uh, they investigated around 3,000 UFO reports and 5 to 10% of those reports from, they, from, you know, from their uh, documents said that those reports are still unexplained to this day. 5 to 10%. Now, out of a lot of um, you know, research that I've done thus far, 5 to 10% is a fucking lot. You know what I'm saying? So if they have that many unexplained, and you know, the Soviet Union, KGB, all that, you know, Russia, Germany, all that. They got real ill ties to uh, extraterrestrial shit where, you know, you don't even really have to dig too deep to, like, find stuff like this about, you know, extraterrestrials or telekinesis or anything. Because some of that stuff was, like, out there. Like, you knew they were working on this. You knew, you know, that they were... Um, using certain people's abilities from remote viewing to whatever else. And, um, you know, it didn't matter because you couldn't do anything about it. So whatever. Now, one conspiracy that they were involved in was a cover up for a nuclear launch in 1982, where it is said that um, randomly at a Soviet base, um, nuclear warheads were like brought online to go off. And within 30 seconds, um, everything was like, everything had shut down. They don't know who started it. They don't know why. They don't know what, but they don't really know what the fuck was going on. But um, it said that UFOs were sighted around the area days before and on that day as well, or that morning. Uh, so Institute 22 was called in to cover it up and say that it was some swamp gas or bring a neuralizer or whatever the fuck and make sure everybody knew that they didn't see anything. So I think that that's, that that's really, really, 
dope because I like shit like that. Like, you know, that's some straight men in black type. You know, that's awesome. But I think it's messed up because there's another one of these uh, groups of people that are coming through telling people that they didn't see something that they saw and covering up something that could potentially, you know, help if people could get to know it, understand it's the truth, sit with it for a little while and then start to move on. So uh, another project we got. Project Magnet, and that one was straight. This one is out of Canada, and it was established in 1950 by uh, Wilbert Brookhouse Smith. That's the director. Um, it was active until mid 1954, and uh, informally, it was active until 1962. So they were getting funds from the government for a minute, you know what I mean? And then when that stopped, some of the, you know, this dude must have really had some good connections because he was able to still, uh, you know, do, he was just, he was still able to support and fund the project even after it was, you know, supposedly inactive. Now, um, in 1962, uh, it stopped. And one of the conclusions were that the UFOs that they researched were actually of extraterrestrial origin and they were operated by magnetism manipulation. And now the goal of Project Magnet, hence the name, was to apply the findings on the subject of geomagnetism. So they were studying if the uh, extraterrestrials were using uh, Earth's magnetic field as a source of propulsion for the vehicles that they use. Now, you know, if that's the I know that they're not all just coming here saying like being like, yeah, we got to use the magnetic field of Earth because that's the only one. So I'm assuming that, you know, this is only one part of the school of thought of, you know, this propulsion magnetism theory or whatever, because, you know, if they're going through space and we know that, you know, elements that are here are out there as well. So, you know, there's some type of correlation there. I don't know it, you know, I'm, I'm, but I'm gonna figure it out. I'm working on it, you know, um. Uh, Smith was also involved with Project Second Story, which is another UFO group out of Canada that, um, you know, kind of helped to start Project Magnet. But um, it was also studying if UFOs were linked to psychological phenomena. And um, Smith himself actually believed that he was in contact with ETs and they communicated with him through telepathy. So, you know, he was kind of, you know, he was on his he was on his shit. Uh, you know, even if I don't I, um, I don't know the history of his accounts because it doesn't go into like super accounts of him. But I'm going to have to obviously do some more research on this guy because he's really interesting. And if these uh, beings were communicating with him via telepathy then uh, it makes a whole lot of sense why he continued to do this and why he was able to get funded without being, um, you know, a formal branch of a formal project from some branch of government for real. Um, in 1952, Smith set up the Shirley's Bay Observatory outside of Ottawa, and he studied UFO sightings there until, you know, 62 when everything was over. Um, and that that, you know, that's pretty dope because you, this is another one of these projects where that f there's phenomena that remains unexplained. No matter what you want to say, no matter, I mean, like, a lot, the thing about it, like, from your Admiral Birds to, like, a lot of these guys that were involved in these things, they died with this knowledge or whatever, you know, and there's things that you, that you just don't know, you know what I mean? That they go so far and then you're like, well, what the fuck else happened? And it just stops. Like, obviously some governments probably know it or they probably got the file somewhere. you like, they got Tesla shit, but you know, these dudes did exist. They did do these projects. They did get interviewed. They do have journals and documentaries and shit that's missing pages and missing certain things. And there's, there was, you know, um, 
there was a point in time where you could access these things where they were actually telling what it really was. Now they scrubbed all that shit. So it's like you can't, like, with, you know, with Admiral Byrd, like, there was a point in time where you could access him, actually, the part where, of the trip where he flew past the ice sheets of Antarctica, and you could see the real green grass, and you could see woolly mammoths. I saw the shit, and it was 10 years ago, or coming up on 15 years ago, when YouTube was still kind of fresh. So I don't know if they didn't know what they had or whatever, but damn sure that shit is not on there anymore. And they even still have the Admiral Byrd um, flight. Like, they have all of that shit. Like, you can type in Project High Jump, everything. And they've broken it down to a simple, um, uh, uh, some intelligence mission that we were out there trying to find shit out. You know what I'm saying? When realistically, we were trying to find shit out, but on some next level. And that footage doesn't even exist. So imagine how much stuff that they really, really scrub. Now, there's another project, which I kind of like the name of this one, too. It's called the Proposed Studies on the Implications of Peaceful Space Activities for Human Affairs, a.k.a. the Brookings Report. Now, in 1960, the report um, came out and it's known for, you know, what I just said, that long uh, winded that's the real name of it. But the Brookings Report is what they just they write on. They wrote on the document. Now, um, the Brookings Report pretty much is like Space Force. You know what I'm saying? Like it really doesn't do anything, you know, and it, and it just lets you know stuff that we already know or that they, you know, that they tell us about what's going on in orbit as far as like our satellites and shit like that. And then they break down um what the possible scenarios would be like and how we would react if ETs did come to Earth and they, you know, it's kind of like the um, uh, the zombie protocol that they got, like they how they have an actual zombie protocol, the CDC or whatever, it's either the CDC or the DOA, one of the DOJ, one of them, one of these groups, you know what I'm saying, these acronyms, they got the, the protocols for if zombies attack. And it's like legit, real shit. You know, they talk of non-human, not, they, they say all them little code words and all that shit. So um, they, I believe that this is similar to that. They like are breaking down a whole bunch of scenarios and what you should do or what we would do um, when and if, you know, extraterrestrials come and visit us. So, I, you know, I think that, that all that shit is dope, especially when you when you step back and you take it all and then you put it together. Like when you take all these projects, when you take, you know, all these different elements and you take, you know, these different, even the, the zombie thing, you take all these things and you put them together and then you step back and look at it and you're like, it, there's a roadmap there. You know what I'm saying? And I'm not saying take all these things word for word at face value. This is the truth. This is what it is. No, I'm saying pick out the things that you see that are similar. Pick out the things that you feel in your gut may that you may want to question a little bit more. You know what I'm saying? You don't have to take and say, this is this, this is this, this is this. If you do that, then it's always going to remain separate. But if you find things that connect and correlate and shit, then you could be on the road to some next level information. Um, now, another thing that I just wanted to touch on real quick about uh, one of my favorite subjects, superheroes. Now, I like to I listen to a lot of people talk about like their ideologies and how um, they perceive things and, and what they believe the answers are. Like I, I heard a conversation and a girl had asked, um, what is the meaning of life? Like she asked, she just asked, you know, uh, the room that and. You know, people were coming with like not it, not it's not even like you have to say this is my opinion, but, but I mean, they were coming like I'll tell you what the meaning of life is. The meaning of life is this, and it's like whoa, 
You know what I'm saying? We haven't even experienced the whole experience to say what the meaning is. But the thing is, a lot of things that I notice is that civilians like to try to push their ideologies on people instead of just sit back and be like, oh, that's interesting. Let me take that and, and, and apply it to my little hypothesis. And then let me take this over here and apply it there. And let me take, you know what I mean? But like, instead, there's just groups and groups of people who are like, no, this is this, this. And it's not even on an argumentative tip. It's just on a like, this is mine and I'm giving it to you and you should take it and you should always only eat this. And then another person's like, this is mine, and I'm giving it to you, and you should take it, and you should only eat this. And that's why, bringing it back to superheroes, that's why they don't talk ideology. If you notice, Superman doesn't catch somebody falling and say, you know, if you were a better person in life, you probably wouldn't have fallen. He just catches them, puts them on the ground, and goes away. You know, Batman doesn't save people and say, listen, all my life, you know, I thought about how fucked up Gotham was. And then when my parents got killed, I knew that I, he doesn't stand there and just get into a long winded spiel after he saves people. He just drops them off and then goes and does what he does. The flash flies through zips. I don't mean fly. Cause you know that that can fuck up. He runs and zips through town and just catching people, saving them. Boom, 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 boom. And yes, we can stop and we can say, yo, you know, you should just be a good person, right? You know, you shouldn't, you shouldn't commit this crime. Why are you walking in this dark alley at night? What are you doing with these drugs? Like, you know, you could do all that. But instead, instead, let them do that and I'll just save them, you know? And I think that we need to really pay attention to shit like that when it comes to conversations and listening to each other. And instead of trying to spread our perception Let's just be there standing at the bottom in case they fall and need somebody to catch them or in case we fall and need to be caught because we don't understand. You know what I'm saying? But sitting back and listening and taking shit in and really letting it, you know, mix around and, and, and stew inside of you and being able to understand and apply it to your life and take other things and apply them to, you know, can create the ability to truly think and feel free and then embrace everything that everybody says and turn on the walls when it's time to turn them on, turn off the walls when it's time to turn them off. So you can, you know what I'm saying? You can allow certain things in when you want and you can allow certain things not to get in when you want. But I just think we need to think, listen, and let the shit that we hear marinate with us a lot more before we just start trying to push our own thoughts and ideas on other people. Because at the end of the day, we're always all going to think differently. But if we can come to source understandings of shit, baseline understandings and similarities, then we can fucking create the illest of ill in civilization, I believe. So, you know, that's that. I'm Bobby Neptune. Make sure that you stream all the episodes of the I Don't Know Yet podcast and every other podcast from any other podcaster that you love. Also stream all of the EPs from Bobby Neptune. I got a new one dropping in the next couple of weeks. I don't even know the name of it yet, so it is what it is. But Bobby Neptune over and out.